Conte, Florenzi, eccolo il cross tagliato di testa, che gol, 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 è il magnifico, il magnifico, il magnifico rettore! Entertainment capital of the world. What a strike! What a goal! What a comeback! What a game! There are no words to describe it! It's the TC Martin Show. Léger hors jeu, mais cette fois-ci, il y en a pas pour Marco Reus. Très fort devant le but! Oh, Prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Largo, Pifio. Messi la tiene, Messi, Messi, Messi. Ahí está Iniesta. Gol! Gol! Cerebro! Cerebro! Cerebro Iniesta! The doctor is now in. Hour number two on this Manic Monday. Glad to have you with us. T.C. Martin, Ballpark, VGK Frank, and uh, Numchuck on the other side of the glass. I want to thank Steve Sachs for joining us last hour. Talk a little baseball, a little Masters update this hour. Matthew Hodel will join us at the bottom of the hour. Talk a little UFC news and a whole lot more coming your way. Don't forget, get the William Hill mobile app. So easy to use. Use it. Get it. Download it on your phone. Take advantage of the $53 into your account. Use the promo code TC50 for that. Open a new account. Deposit at least $50 in a new account at any of the William Hill Sportsbooks. Any of them. Use the promo code TC50 for that. And also, for your CBD needs, yes, RBD. He'll be in the house tomorrow. We'll recap a little WrestleMania with him. But use that promo code TCRVD for 21% off of anything on the RVD CBD website. Anything on there. Already very affordable, but uh, 21% off. Just go on the website. Check it all out. Take your pick there. Tinctures, smokables, the creams. Edibles. Edibles. It's all there. CBD world. RVD. CBD.com, 21%. Use that promo code TCRVD. All right. Do we have a Deshaun Watson update? We've gone a whole day without a Deshaun Watson update. I haven't heard anything new since the 22 and that his lawyers were asking for... they want every of the every one of the women to have to uh, state who they are. Right. We talked about that. So they can face their accusers. Speaking of which, as I was driving into work today, I went by, I drove by Numchuck's place over there. And I saw um, a couple of gentlemen standing outside. Now, it's the middle of the day, and it's a health club or it's a health spa. But the doors are locked. I mean, you would think that the doors, you know, we come and go like any other health club, right? Or any workout facility or, you know, massage place. The doors are open. Why are people standing outside, like, pushing a buzzer, waiting to get in there? Do they need the speed dial three, like Numchuck has, to actually get in the door? This Wait, this got me curious today. Well, you know, there's a pandemic going on out there, and you, you got to be as safe as possible. So, you know, maybe they want to make sure that they weren't carrying the black light with them. I really don't know. What? <laughs> Does that seem a little strange to you, though? I mean, one for one o'clock partic- in the afternoon, for right? For that particular business, no. Really? I, I mean, 
I can maybe see dentist offices or some doctor's offices like closing for lunch or whatever, but I mean, but still, I think you know the doors are open. But this this is supposed to be a legitimate business that Numchuck tells me about. Why are the doors closed and locked? And you need like a secret code or a password You're to get in. You're killing me, Smalls. Safety first. <laughs> Safety first. And this is the guy who's been visiting. You know these uh, massage parlors in the pandemic. Numchuck. You can do it. <laughs> Yeah, you got nothing for me? Frank's staying away from this topic. Just staying away. I think you know something that I don't know. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a different cream than RVD sauce. <laughs> <laughs> with, the, <laughs> with that, we bring in our good friend, T.J. Reeves. Remember, this is a family show, T.J. Reeves. Well, it's good to be with you. I always uh, shudder at what you're going to bring me on and roll out the red carpet with. And so um, moving right along, next item, like in golf, to 12 or to 14. Let's see what's happening next on uh, on the next hole. How are things on a manic Monday? Let's go to Vern. Vern on the 12th. Hey, Vern made an appearance. Vern was back. I loved hearing Vern. Didn't sound like yes. the same Vern, though. But Vern Lundquist was part of the Masters, as he has been for the last 50 years, right? Yeah, he has gotten a little older, but he's still got that deep baritone voice and, and love him calling different shots. I just wish that we had gotten a little more dramatics. Than, I mean, it was certainly setting up like we were going to get some dramatics on the final two or three holes. And I guess in a way we did when Xander Shoffley, who's an American, what a name, uh, looked like TJ and TC off the tee at 16 at Augusta, uh, what a time to come up 10 or 15 yards short there with uh, with Matsuyama uh, apparently wobbling, leaking oil, leaking transmission fluid in the final round of the Masters, and then Shoffley just gives it right back and puts it right in the drink on, on 16, and wow. Uh, it, it, it was an amazing pressure moment. He folded, and now you get the first-ever Japanese champion of any u.s major much less the prestigious masters how about tc martin no japanese uh male golfer had ever led any round of the masters he led the third round and then he won the thing that's incredible in 2021 what we have just witnessed no i think that is incredible that and we have so many you know uh, japanese golfers in general the golf is a huge sport and the women's side I mean, we've right. seen some great Japanese women golfers. It is kind of strange that he's the first Japanese player to win. And again, I remember ten years ago, you know, as an amateur, he, I mean, wow, a lot of people remember him because he had a, a stellar performance as an amateur ten years ago, almost to the date. So he was the low, yeah. right? He was the low amateur that right. year, right? And uh, you know, and I've gotten a chance to dabble some on PGA Tour radio with doing some different freelance play-by-play and stuff, and been around him a little bit. He understands English somewhat. He prefers to speak Japanese when he answers. He's much more comfortable with that language. But he's got an interesting, uh, you know, personality and sense of humor. The the uh, the photo has made the rounds. It was everywhere on the internet this morning. That there he was at the gate uh, at like six forty-five this morning, getting on a Delta plane to go to Chicago and then presumably to Tokyo, sitting there at the gate, just like all of us, except for the fact that. T.C. Martin, he had the master's green jacket nearby. He didn't have it on, but he had it like on the back of the chair while he was sitting there 
looking at something on his phone. So he was he was the everyman this morning traveling through Hartsfield uh, Airport in Atlanta. That's, that, that's that's beautiful. What I don't understand there is how T.J. Reeves has never played golf with me, but he just assumes that that him and I he puts me out there that I'd throw it in the drink on the 16th like that. See that's see how you are with that. I don't, I don't, let I don't me know I like that. let me explain to you what commonly happens, and this is a very technical TJ term. It is known as tidius of the sphincteus, my friend. And yesterday on the 16th hole, I believe that is exactly what happened to Xander Shoffley. And you're right. I do suppose. I, I guess I am just two German uh, uh, speculating uh, and conjecture go. that you would have tidius of the sphincteus uh, in that situation, but say? certainly. Shoffley did, and uh, I, w- I was expecting he's going to put it on the green and maybe put it near the hole and maybe make a birdie, and now we got real drama for the last couple of holes here on who's going to win this thing. And instead, he put it in the drink and made a complete mess of that 16th hole. But let's let's credit Matsuyama. He played uh, significantly better uh, on Saturday afternoon after they had the weather delay. And you know that I was texting you off the air because I was unhappy with the fact that they were maybe going to displace my Masters Saturday afternoon yes. with let's not golf, let's show the replay of Tiger Woods 2019 for like an hour while we have a weather delay and then come back Sunday morning while it's not on television. You know I'm big on this. The revolution will not be televised, and neither will the third round of the Masters. Or the Tampa Bay Rays games. Exactly. Or any of the Tampa Bay Rays game, and we'll get to that in a minute. But at least they played, and he played better than everybody by, by like four or five shots when they resumed on Saturday. And in a lot of ways, that's when he won the tournament. So kudos to him. I realize it's not an American. It's not Tiger. It's not Phil. But it was still dramatic to watch that stuff, life-changing stuff for him. It might be worth hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in terms of endorsement. And you know that later on this summer they're going to have the Olympics with no fans. I, I can guarantee you who's going to probably go light the Olympic flame now. Can we yeah. safely say that with the Masters green jacket on? How crazy would that be Yeah, would if, he, if Hideki Matsuyama would does he, that? Would he be the flag bearer or would he be the torch bearer? That's I thinking. don't know. Or maybe both. But he's going to be – I mean, he is the most famous athlete right now from that country and in that country. So you got to believe it's a guarantee he's one of those two. Wait, things. Is, is, he, is he 100% more famous than Naomi Osaka? Mm. But she's uh, American. She well, represents yeah, Japan. It, I know. She represents and, and Japan and she'll mind, be playing tennis know, for Japan. Yeah. I was gonna <laughs> Frank Frank brought Naomi Osaka. I was gonna go Mr. Fuji or Kenji Shibuya. <laughs> you're gonna go you're gonna go Japanese. How about Yokozuna? Where was Yokozuna from? Yokozuna, I think uh, that, I don't know. Uh, oh. I, I don't know. Uh, they portrayed him as a Japanese sumo guy, but he may not have been I, there. We have to. Check he our spent facts. he spent a lot of time in South Sacramento. I can tell you that he'll never make he'll never make the stair climb. But but was he outside of the massage parlor at one on a Monday, ringing the doorbell at one in the afternoon? Uh, That's just, I'm just checking. Uh, okay. Me love you long time. It all comes back to that, doesn't it? It does. It sure does. Hey, more importantly, I want to get back to you doing play-by-play on the PGA Tour. Did you have to whisper when you yes. did? When you did, did you whisper? Because Absolutely. I can never hear TJ Reeves whisper. TJ TJ Reeves is only at one octave. Usually, yes, but in golf, in golf, if you're close by, you have to you know, turn up your volume. Everybody, have to, Tiger Woods has 15 feet here down the hill because you're standing close to them and hopefully far enough away to, where they can't hear you, and you're like, Tiger's got to read this. It's got to go left to right. It's down the hill. And then you can get louder once they putt, 
and say, oh, he's made another birdie. But that's the thing. Hold on. For Tiger, well, you, can get, you can get loud at the right time. You but know yes, as golf, well as I do, you, anybody else, especially now with COVID, these guys aren't anywhere near these golfers. They're in a Correct. tower far away. They're in a truck. <laughs> they're at home. And they're still yeah. whispering. Yes. That's true. That's a good point that you make. Yeah. Jim Nance did a lot of the tournament yesterday, and I think on Saturday, sitting in Butler Cabin, because they even showed him, yes. and then he made mention of, hey, Nick, you're going to be in the 18th Tower, and I'm going to stay right here. I don't know if Nance was having cocktails or you know what else was going on. He's earned it. He's a legend. Uh, but, yeah, he was calling it from Butler Cabin, where, where, again, you don't have to whisper so much because you're nowhere near where they are while they're golfing. It's there a good point you made. There you go. All right. Uh, Rays Yankees series. Yeah, l- 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 let's talk about this for a-, a little bit. And of course, you probably didn't get a chance to watch it. I got a chance to watch it, but you didn't get a chance <laughs> to watch it. And you're in Tampa. Explain that to me. There is there is still uh, an issue, and it's not just an issue here. Again, I'm trying to get you to understand when I was sending you the text message, etc. There are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of baseball fans in about 15 different places and hockey fans too and NBA fans that are subjected to the same thing that's going on right now, which is the entity uh, Bally Sports bought all of the Fox regional channels. So in our case in Florida, that's Fox Sports Florida, Fox Sports Sun, but there's a Fox Sports Tennessee, there's a Fox Sports West in L.A., there's a Fox Sports Minnesota, Fox Sports Ohio, on and on and on. And so on all of these channels – if you have certain providers, Hulu, YouTube TV, Dish Network, in our market, uh, the second place cable provider is Frontier Communications. All of those outlets don't have a deal with Valley Sports, so the games are not on. So here is the Rays home opener. And yes, there were, you know, the, the uh, Spectrum Communications, I'm giving free plugs. They're the number one cable provider. They had the game on. On Friday, if you had direct TV, as you suggested to me, you had the game on on Friday. But for tens of thousands of us, we were in the dark. We were not able to see it because of the dispute that has gone on for months now with Valley Sports and these different providers. And again, it's not just here in Florida. It is in Texas. I probably left a couple of them out in in, uh, the Pacific Northwest. Uh, Etc. There are different regional channels that that aren't on on all these different providers. So yes, the Rays did thump the Yankees, despite someone who hosts this show five days a week betting against my Rays in the home opener where they're raising the American League championship banner. You bet against the Rays on that day. They won the first two games, and then the Yankees came from behind and won the game yesterday to avoid the broom, to avoid the sweep in Game Three. And I'm not as sour because. I, I bet him yesterday when they uh, you know they, they got the job then at the end. So I, I got my money back with the Yankees yesterday. So let me give you a little uh, foreshadowing, a little tidbit. I don't know that this is necessarily breaking news, but this is pay attention to later on in the week when the Rays show up in the Bronx to play the Yankees because the the Yankees going back the last couple of years. I don't have the exact figures, but I believe they've hit Rays batters about 513 times. <laughs> including four more this weekend, including hitting one of the Rays' best uh, power-hitting outfielders, Austin Meadows, in the first inning of the game yesterday with yes, the ball high I and tight that. up I around his it. head. Yeah, but that was not on purpose. Not at I, I, all. I'm, I'm telling you, there is bad blood yep. brewing between these two teams. It boiled over in the postseason last year, and the biggest problem is the New York Yankees realize the Tampa Bay Rays continue to beat them. 
So one of the things they're trying to do to take them out of their game is continuing to hit them with baseballs. So look for captain retaliation probably early in the first game coming this weekend in the Bronx in the first or second inning. Just wait because that, that has been going on really for a couple of seasons, even before the COVID-2020 compressed shortened season. This was going on in 2019, and the Yankees keep doing it, by the way. So Yeah, that has, no, that has nothing happens. to do with the Yankees pitchers just being wild and, and, and wildly inexperienced with a lot of these guys as well, too, a young pitching staff. So, But I will say this about, about your Rays and this Yankees as I watched this series this weekend is that the Rays looked – like they are in much better shape than the Yankees. And the Yankees are flustered right now. They're not hitting the ball. They're leaving runners on, uh, stranding you know runners at third with less than two outs, uh, hitting a double plays, striking out. No, they don't look comfortable. And the, definitely the Rays have got underneath the, the Yankees' skin. You can see that. And I will say that in the American League East, the Rays look like the team to beat, and the Yankees are definitely upset with that. They they don't look anything they don't look as good as the Tampa Bay Rays. I will give that to you. It's early. It's early. We all understand that and acknowledge that and the Rangers are in here tonight and the Rays are getting their championship rings uh tonight. Uh and they, Wait, they were how doing many, the ring How many diamonds are in these rings? We just saw the Dodgers. I don't know. 206 232 diamonds Woo! and 53 well, sapphires. Yeah, yeah, that's LA. Hollywood. Yeah, what, what do you what do you guys get for winning the American League what do you, I don't know if the get American a, League championship ring has near the, the same diamonds. Maybe it's a Zircon. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, they, they are getting the rings tonight when they play the Texas Rangers, so that's a cool thing for the American League championship. So there's been a, there's, it's been a, an interesting start to the season because they, they started on the road and won a couple of games, and then they got swept by Boston, but they definitely had the bats come to life. And I just playfully say to you, I'm glad that you went and fired up the Rays on Friday by betting against them because then they exploded for 10 runs. They snapped out of it. There you go. I wish you'd have done that against the Red Sox back back at Fenway earlier in the week. Give me time. I'll I'll, I'll give you some. You know, I'll give you some more. You know, down the road. Don't worry. It's a long <laughs> season, my friend. TJ right. Reeves joins us from Tampa, the Buck sideline reporter, and just the all-around Mr. Tampa. Yeah, I think I, along, I think along with the Zircon, they also get a drive-through certificate. So uh, that's a nice little yeah. added thing there. But when it comes to the Tampa Bay Rays, what is the excitement level down there? Because we always hear about that the fans don't show up in this, that, and the other, and their arena, their, their stadium's not that nice. But when they are winning in that, does the community bandy around them and become more Rays fans, or is it like yes. you said, kind of in spring training in that one? Yeah, well. If their team, the Yankees or Red Sox or whatever, aren't there, they're, then they're kind of Rays fans. Yeah, and it, it's, it's a mixed bag, Frank. Obviously, there are a lot of transplanted New Yorkers, a lot of transplanted New Englanders, a lot of uh, Canadian snowbirds, people from the upper Midwest that come down here. The interesting thing, though, is they're usually down here through March or April, and then they go back because the weather's warm. They, they spend half the year here, et cetera, back and forth. So there's some of that. The TV ratings have been tremendous. Here we go back to what you were talking about, and I was, I was uh, elaborating on with this Valley Sports dispute that bought all the regional channels. It's going to hurt their TV ratings. The Rays traditionally over the last decade plus have been in the top ten in television viewership, even with all uh, of, the, of the high payroll teams, because, again, this is considered a top ten television market in Tampa Bay, including the Sarasota market down south of us. There are over 2.5 million people in the television viewing area, in the immediate area. So they get good ratings where they have. 
This is another reason why that dispute doesn't make a lot of sense if you're the Rays. You want this worked out with their television partner because you want more people to be able to see the games. So that's a, that's a big part of it, you for know, sure, is get the games back on TV. It, it was a very ugly weekend for T.J. Reeves. I mean, he was very nasty. He was upset about the Masters, uh, <laughs> raining coming down, uh, about the Rays' television situa- situation because he wanted to see it against the Yankees. And then... He was complaining about WrestleMania, talking about there's going yeah. to be a, a delay a game penalty there with the rain and everything else going. Well, I mean, they did for, yeah. like, for like 45 minutes on Saturday night. They had to do the worst tap dance job of trying to not start WrestleMania because it was raining and uh, it, it was nasty and they did a two-night event. But eventually the show did go on, and uh, and I do have to say it was, it, it was neat uh, to see – all of this, again, with fans, because they haven't had fans in Vince McMahon's world. They've had virtual fans on the TVs, so at least they had some atmosphere at Raymond James Stadium the last two nights. And I will say this. I was looking around on my social media on my Facebook, and I, I lost track at about six or seven at the number of times I busted out laughing with people that I did not know were wrestling fans. And they're there not just with their kids, but some, there are a couple of friends of mine that took like their dad, their like senior citizen dad, or their senior citizen mom to WrestleMania. And I'm like, bravo! Tampa's a big wrestling town. There's no doubt about that. So there was, there was a lot of uh, pride for the fact that uh, WrestleMania returned and wrestling returned with fans in this area the last two nights. Numchuck's watching with his mother-in-law. She goes, oh, she's really into it. I go, are you kidding me? Yeah. (laughs) So, real quick. Hey, I'll tell a quick story, all right? This is the truth because you love the Macho Man stories and you love to do the Macho Man impersonations. So this is, Lord, when when did they defect to uh, to the NWO, that's probably 95, right? 95, 96 is Correct. when all of that yes. happened, yes. right, with Turner? Yeah. yeah. All right, so they were wrestling a, a non-televised event in downtown St. Pete, which involved Hulk Hogan and the NWO wrestling against Randy Macho Man Savage, but this was not on TV with Turner, all right? So I was there, and I'm in the local media, I've got my wife with me. She wanted to go. We're there. There was There's probably an 85-year-old woman near us who has not made a peep the whole night down in the third or fourth row where we are. We get to the main event, and when the macho man started to come down the aisle, she got up on the chair next to me, probably a, a chair over, screaming about Randy Savage and how much she was wanting him to beat the you-know-what out of Hulk Hogan. And I looked at my wife and said, is this going to be us in like 40 years or 40 years that we're going to be doing this? So there's a quick memory about, hey, the seasoned citizens are all into it, even uh, even down here in Tampa Bay, even the wrestling. So you just jog my memory on that one as a 25-year-old story because, again, she was reserved grandma until the Macho Man showed oh, yeah. up, TC. Hey, by the way, real quick, I do have to throw this in, too, because when you mentioned earlier in the interview that Yokozuna might end up at the massage parlor, although he wasn't Japanese, I think that it'd be more likely to be Rikishi because he did the stink face. Right, correct. (laughs) Very good, Frank. Circle back to that one. Waited for that one to launch off off of uh, launching pad three there. Say no more, Squire. Oh, jeez. I don't know where to go from there, man. All right, there you have it. I'm not sure that you can. By the way, uh, you haven't asked me, and thank you, but I did get lots of phone calls and text messages. I believe that Julian Edelman is retired because Julian Edelman put a video out 
after the Patriots have released him and said he's retired. Everybody seems to think he's coming to the Buccaneers. But I have to believe, at least right now with all of this, that Edelman is going to hang him up after 12 seasons. And whether or not he stays retired, that's a different argument, T.C. But I'm just putting it out there in Vegas. I don't have it on any authority. I just watched the video while your show is going on where he's saying goodbye. He's retiring as a Patriot. So there's the latest from New England. Yes. Not coming to Tampa Bay as far as we know. 34 years old, Julian Edelman was released by the Patriots. It, it's interesting. Failed physical. Failed, failed physical failed, designation. Yeah, cut, though. He was cut. I mean, yeah, failed physical, 34, knee problems, knee issues. And I'm not sure Julian Edelman actually wants to retire. So obviously, of course, and I was going to ask you about this, you know, him and Tom, we know how tight they are. And I know that he didn't want uh, Brady to leave New England. He would love to join him. Brady even made the joke about, hey, come join me down here in Tampa. Now, you know, just like Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski, the pathway is wide open for him to join them. I don't know if the Bucks are interested. I think they would be. Uh, but do they have any money left since uh, they've been shelling out uh, plenty of money over the last you know six months or so? Uh, I, I wouldn't count it out, my friend. And Julian Edelman doesn't sound like he's a guy that would hold out for a whole lot of money to give him one last hurrah, a chance to get a Super Bowl ring and do it with Gronk and Tom. I think in theory, I think, you know, when you're talking about fairy tale and what you, what you could do, yes, but I don't think it's realistic just because he was hurt for the bulk of last year with a bad knee. He's got 12 years in the league. And at this point, I think they're doing this, and, and that didn't just – I mean, it didn't, it didn't look like that's something they just did uh, last night. I think he may have done that video in the last two or three days where they came to this conclusion together that he can't play anymore. They'll designate him as uh, failed physical. That, that way they save on the salary cap because they're releasing him. Whether he signs the retirement papers, I don't know. Again, the Gronkowski situation was different. He signed the retirement papers and was out for a year, speaking, doing WWE wrestling, doing Fox Sports television, and then he came back. I'm not saying Edelman might not come back for 2022, but would Brady still be here? Would the Bucks still be going along? I don't know. I just don't think it's realistic. The Bucks have a very little money, to answer your question, mm-hmm. to fit anybody else in under the cap, Antonio Brown or anybody else. So... Stay tuned, but I think Edelman's retired. Yeah, and he didn't announce his retirement today. But like I said, the papers aren't in yet, as of yet, but uh, 12 seasons in the NFL. And uh, you probably make a very good point that that was maybe orchestrated by between himself and the Patriots. So, all right, my friend, we will let you go. Uh, what's what's it? Uh, what's on tap for dinner tonight? Are you going out? You in? Uh, no, no drive through tonight. I believe we are having barbecue chicken salad in the other room with tortilla chips and some other stuff. Some good stuff. Barbecue some tomatoes, chicken, some, some cheese salad. Yes, all you could have stopped right some. there. Barbecue chicken, and then you go salad. That that's a letdown. Healthy tonight. That's like Matsuama uh, bogeying three of the last four holes. Barbecue (laughs) chicken salad. It was still a winning recipe. I I have been looking, checking, and asking a lot of the golf people that I know. I believe that's the first time ever, ever at a Masters that somebody bogeyed the the fifteenth, the seventeenth. Well, no, the 15th, the 16th, and the 18th, the 69th, 70th, and 72nd hole, and still won without a playoff, without needing a playoff. So he was definitely leaking oil, leaking transmission fluid, however you say that in Japanese. But, uh, man, what a, what a win for him. 
all-time stuff for him. So congratulations to him. And uh, and it's it's big for golf in Japan. Again, they've got hundreds of thousands that love to play the game and so few courses. Nobody can get a course, can get a tee time under usual circumstances. But Matsuyama now becomes a hero because of that. That's for sure. All right, brother. We'll let you go. Have a good one, and uh, we'll talk very, very soon. Appreciate it. Please keep me up to date on the Rays because we're not seeing this yeah. one tonight either. So keep me, text me. Let me know what's going on. You boys be well in Vegas. There it is. How, how was the baked ziti the other night, though? We never yeah. got the a ziti was outstanding. Oh. If I'm still there, the ziti was outstanding. There you we'll, go. Uh, we'll have to send you a care package. See? You know, his wife wins the football, wins the basketball contest and that, and she has to make dinner, but it was outstanding. So it's all good. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good for him. <laughs> even, even though he went on a walk and he was listening to, to the show. He and, went on the walk. The yeah. twins got ice cream. His wife got to make dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Are you crazy? TJ Reeves, our guy in Tampa. We come back. Matthew Holt will join us. We talk a little UFC and more. TC Martin Show Monday. Wait a second. Wait a second. Now, more from your favorite sports radio physician, uh-huh. the doctor, TC Martin. Uh-huh. All right, tomorrow, RVD will be in the house. He'll join us. Rob Van Dan coming back. Usually joins us on Thursday. He's going to have him in tomorrow because he was at WrestleMania and taking his bow, his curtsy, as he said last week when he was on here, being inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. So join us uh, tomorrow for that. All right, right now, we talk about a little different squared circle. Not even a squared circle. We're going to talk about the octagon with our good friend Matthew Holt. What's going on, man? TC, how are we doing? We're doing good. We're doing good. All right, wanted to talk with you uh, regarding uh, UFC news. We got word today that uh, Conor McGregor and Justin Poirier 3 set to square off again July the 10th uh, that this match may not be taking place. Uh, Poirier called out McGregor for not uh, coming through uh, with a $500,000 donation to Poirier's charity the Good Fight Foundation. Remember, there was a lot of goodwill between these two guys uh, build up before the last fight, and we know that they are rather friendly. And, um, you know, we know Poye is trying to build a gym for disadvantaged youth in his hometown of Lafayette, Louisiana. And uh, the two went back and forth via Twitter uh, over the last couple days. Uh, we'll share some of this with our, our listeners. McGregor was uh, predicting a KO for their bout on July the 10th. And uh, then Poirier came back with this. Uh, That's a fun prediction. You also predicted a donation to my foundation, and you and your team stopped responding after the fight in January. See you soon. Well, McGregor didn't take too kind to that. He said, a donation, not a debt. We've been awaiting the plans for the money that never came. I do with all my donations. You know where it's going. Uh... Or you do. Uh, otherwise, it goes walking, as in the case with a lot of these foundations. Sadly, you took the McGee over the belt. Shows I was right, and I don't know what that particularly means. But then McGregor came back and says, "Listen, fight somebody else on July the 10th. This fight is off." And now we know that a lot of uh, media agencies are running with this. So Matt, uh, take us back to this little. You know, uh, 
whatever you want to call it, war between words with these guys on social media, and do you think this this fight is actually off? I am really surprised, TC. As somebody who is a wrestling promoter, who is a boxing fan, who lived through the Don King era, you think this fight is off? This is promo, buddy. This is promo talk. The problem with the last fight was it didn't do the numbers that they thought it would. The UFC, Conor McGregor, and a whole bunch of McGregor backers, not Mr. Matthew Holt, of course, made the terrible mistake of thinking that Dustin Poirier it was going to be a good tune-up fight for the return of Conor McGregor simply because Poirier agreed behind the scenes that he would stand and bang with McGregor rather than try to take him down like Khabib Nurmagomedov. The problem with that is Dustin Poirier might be a more diverse MMA striker at this point, certainly a much more active MMA striker in terms of recent trends, calf kicks, You know, calf kicks is something that every established MMA fighter uses right now, um, you know, rather than a jab. It's sort of like the jab people used to use in boxing or used to use in MMA five years ago. Now they use calf kicks. Conor McGregor, who's fought very sparingly in MMA the last five years, didn't seem to have an answer for those. So at the end of the day, I just think Conor took him for granted, um, and now they need to hype this fight up because let's face it, at the end of the day, another Conor McGregor knockout loss is really going to diminish his ability to earn money, uh, especially the kind of money he wants to make as a fighter. And I wouldn't be surprised if Conor McGregor gets knocked out again if it's not his last fight in the UFC because the UFC isn't going to pay this guy millions and millions of dollars for to fight when he's not going to be a drawer anymore losing four of his last five fights. So at the end of the day, they have got to sell this fight. It's not for the title. Again, we're talking about a Conor McGregor who's about to fight for the third time in the last four fights, not for a title inside the UFC. So they got to do a little bit of hyping up around this fight. And that's what they're doing right now. They tried doing it the nice way because Connor thought he was going to walk right through him. And after he walked right through Poirier, he was going to write a check to Poirier's foundation. Like, thanks for stepping in here and getting knocked out, son. I really appreciate you advancing my career. But that didn't happen. So at the end of the day, there's no check to Poirier's charity, and there's going to be a whole lot of bad blood. But I think it'll really help sales in the buildup to this fight because the buildup to the first fight wasn't very good. In fact, if you remember for a long time prior to the UFC formally booking that fight, these guys agreed to do an exhibition match on their own for charity. And Dana White said, whoa, 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 you're both under contract here. Nobody's doing a char- charity exhibition match. <clears throat> this time it's going to be bad blood. The fact that Poirier knocked him out in the first, to- the first time means mainstream fans are going to be much more familiar with Poirier. And we know in the history of combat sports, whether it's boxing, whether it's MMA, even scripted combat sports like professional wrestling, Red-hot rivalries sell a heck of a lot better than a couple of friends getting in there to fight for a payday. they got to heat this one up a little bit. Nobody better to heat it up than Conor McGregor. And I agree with everything you're saying, Matt. And it's funny, when I first saw this story today, just the, the tweet exchange, I was thinking in the back of my head, do you think these two guys... 
if they are friendly, like they, they claim they are, just kind of said, hey, let's, uh, let, let's start something here like that. Or was there something more to this about, okay, he really didn't, uh, you know, give the donation, which, you know, people would probably say, oh, it sounds like a typical McGregor thing. But that was the first thing that came to my mind was like, hey, let's uh, just start this little Twitter thing because I know other athletes – uh, that have done this through our friends, and then, hey, let's let, let's get everybody going. So, begs well, the question. I think it's very possible that Dustin Poirier, while he does have some hopes and dreams and some goals to establish this gym for you know unfortunate youth in the in his hometown, hasn't really put all the pieces together for a proper nonprofit to actually receive a check and then properly spend a check of that size yet. So I'm sure McGregor's team probably did some diligence. Said, "Whoa, this guy has some little gym. What is he going to spend 500 grand on? You know, he doesn't have the ability to to really handle that type of money right away." And so, at the end of the day, maybe they, he wasn't ready. And then once McGregor lost, he he just forgot about it, didn't send the check, and Poirier may have actually took a shot at him on Twitter. Uh, but it isn't the worst thing in the world. These guys are both pro prize fighters. McGregor's the best there's ever been in mixed martial arts at getting paid. Why did people tune in to Floyd Mayweather fights for so many years? They were boring. They were one-sided. They were never wars. They were never the most entertaining fights. He was never involved in a fight of the year. Because they hated him. Because he was so good at playing the heel, they all tuned in to hope Floyd Mayweather Jr. would lose, although he never did. And anyone who knows Floyd personally will tell you he's a much nicer guy in person than, it, than what he portrayed as a heel in the press conferences leading up to his fight. Conor McGregor is as good as it gets in the history of mixed martial arts at playing the heel. We know that right now Poirier is uh, an excellent fighter, maybe the best in that division. Is it safe to say right now that we don't really know where exactly Conor McGregor is because he has gotten into the you know his his alcohol businesses and other things, and he's got a lot of irons and a lot of fire, and it just seemed to me like maybe he's lost that focus where it's one hundred percent on what goes on in the octagon. And Matt, you know as as well as I do that if you have a quality opponent and you're not a hundred percent focused on your job. It can be a bad night for you against any of the real top-level guys. Yeah, at the end of the day, let's. So the one thing that Conor McGregor said, in all honesty, that really made sense after the Dustin Poirier fight was that if you want to be at the top of the MMA heap, which is a very difficult heap to stay atop of, you need to fight all the time. You need to be active. And inactivity has been the enemy of Conor McGregor, who says that he acknowledges that and is going to change that this year. But if we look at what has Conor done for us recently, so he whipped an, an aging kind of sort of, ha I hate to call him an has-been, but certainly a very well, well past his prime cowboy Cerrone. Conor took him out in 45 seconds. He looked terrible against Khabib. He had his moments in the first round where the left hand was definitely landing against Poirier, but he also looked like a guy in the gym who'd never checked a calf kick before. So I think he's still like a top 10 lightweight. The problem is he's never going to step down in class to take a couple of tune-up fights. Um, he always wants to fight tough guys, and Dustin Poirier's a really tough guy. The, the advantage Connor thought he had was that Dustin Poirier, and 
is a guy who, if you tell him, hey, let's stand and bang, he'll stand and bang with you. And Connor thought, well, nobody can stand and bang with me. And he found out that's not true. Now, we'll see what type of Connor comes out of the gym. Because, again, look, he landed a really good left hand that stunned Dustin Poirier in the first round. And if not for the fact that Connor had no idea how to handle leg kicks, I assume he's going to spend this entire camp learning how to check leg kicks. And the fact that it's not that difficult to check means he'll probably be much better prepared. I think this is going to be a really interesting fight. And if you beat a guy who you just yourself just said might be the best guy at 155 pounds, if Connor actually goes in and beats him for the second time, um, in three fights, this will be the third time they fought, then maybe Connor's right there. I certainly would think he's there with Michael Chandler, who's an, an aging guy who spent most of his career in Bellator. I think Charles Oliveira, who's the lesser known name to the fans in all of this equation, is probably the guy that none of them really want to face, although Chandler will face him for the title. But I think if, 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 if Connor beats you know, Dustin Poirier in July, the next logical step is Conor McGregor fighting for the lightweight title of the, in, you know, uh, probably October, November. Matt Holt uh, joins us and vehemently saying this fight is definitely going on. It's not going to be postponed or canceled on July the 10th. And I agree with you, Matt. You know, it's just hype. It's just it's typical what we see normally from McGregor. But why do you think that so many media outlets jumped on this and said, oh, the fight is off? I mean, it just seems strange that people would bite into that. We haven't heard that it's off. Huh? Yeah. So Connor said it's off, and it's Monday, and there's not a lot going on, and you know college basketball season's over, and the NFL season's over, and there's not exactly a ton to talk about this morning. The only baseball game that was supposed to be played during their early morning or afternoon, depending on where you are, was canceled. So, I mean, something has to break the news. This was the news this morning, and anything Connor says is news. You know, just like Floyd Mayweather, like Mike Tyson, like, you know, like John Jones, when they say something, it becomes news. But at the end of the day, we're way too far out. Um, you know, we're months away from this fight, and there's no one that the UFC can replace Poirier with where Connor can make this kind of money and build up this kind of heat. So, I mean, Oliveira and Michael Chandler are fighting each other for the title in, in June, right before McGregor 4-8-3. Who would the UFC match Connor with? There's nobody left. Nate Diaz has a fight booked with Leon Edwards. There isn't anybody opposite McGregor that he can fight, that he'll make the payday, that the UFC can make enough money back on, that they're willing to, to pay McGregor the kind of money he wants for a fight. Neither one of these guys really have options. They need to fight each other. They need to fight each other this summer. And for a lot of reasons, this fight is critical to both guys' careers. It's critical to Dustin Poirier if he wants to be a champion. It's critical to Conor McGregor if he wants to continue to make millions and millions of dollars every time he steps in the octagon because he can't afford another loss. I don't think either of these guys would ever say anything or do anything to actually put this fight in jeopardy. And if Dustin Poirier thought that this fight was actually going to be in jeopardy, because this will be by far the biggest payday of Dustin Poirier's career. By far. A guy at this point in his career, Dustin Poirier, who's worked so long 
for small paydays, taking the beating. I mean, he's the Arturo Gotti of UFC, and, and you know what I'm talking about there, TC. That means he takes as many as he gives. He didn't go through the career he went through to, to avoid the biggest payday of his career. He wants this fight. He wouldn't do anything to put this fight in jeopardy. They're just building a little heat. And I agree with you. And it seems like this is a fight that is intriguing. It needs to happen for both guys. And I believe that Poirier is going to win this fight. And then if he does win this fight, is there any reason for us to see Conor McGregor ever again? Because I'm feeling like you. It's just like, okay, I've, I've had enough of the guy. He's, he's not the same fighter that he once was. I think Poirier is that guy, like Frank said, who has elevated himself, who is the better fighter now. Do, don't you think that this should be McGregor's last fight after he loses this, if he does? Last fight in the UFC. So I do think that the, you know, the UFC won't be able to afford to pay him millions and millions because he just won't be the draw he was. Let's face it, if you go back and look at the pay-per-view numbers for the Cowboy-Cerrone fight, they weren't really there. The pay-per-view numbers were better for him versus Dustin Poirier, but... If he's coming off another loss, all the intrigue is going to be gone. He's just a foul-mouthed guy who can't fight anymore, and at that point I think a lot of the shine and luster will be gone from him. But I do think that some organizations like 1FC over in Japan, who's had some alleged ties to the Yakuza in the past, whatever, who knows if they really are. I could see an organization like that coming up with a big payday. Remember when they did that Floyd Mayweather exhibition fight on like six weeks notice over there? And he was like, who is, there? who is this guy he's fighting? He's like, you know, only fought 12 times as a pro. And Floyd went in there and mopped him up quick, but they paid him some exuberant amount of money to do it. I could certainly see a scenario where something like that happens. So I don't want to say it'll be the last time McGregor ever fights, but it certainly could be the last time he ever fights in the UFC if he doesn't get it done this July. Hey, Matt, real quick, I want to throw in there about, um, do you think Engano and John Jones happens, or do you think somebody else fights Engano? And you mentioned the fighting overseas. What did you think about the Mighty Mouse Johnson fight where he lost his, uh, his fight because he was a downed opponent and he took the knee, but that's legal over there. And Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson actually said before those fights that he thinks there should be that rule that you should be able to knee a grounded opponent. Yeah, interesting. Look, he's getting a little bit older now, and he's in a division at 125 pounds where speed is everything. You know, when you're a 125-pounder, you're not relying on power. You're relying on speed, speed, speed. And Demetrius seems like he's a step slower. And, you know, he lost his last fight in the UFC. He's gone over there. He's had some trouble over there in 1FC. They, I mean, they have some really good fighters. They pay well. Um, I like the rule as well. I'm all about protecting the fighters, but it seems like, you know, those knees up front are no worse than elbows when a guy's mounted on top of you. He could rain down elbows to your eyes and break your orbital bones, but we can't land knees to the side of the head. So I think we have to re-examine some of the rules we have. I like the fact that you can't stand above and kick a downed opponent. We don't want people punting people, but some of the rules probably need to be uh, re-examined, and that's one of them. Um, you know, as far as Ngannou and John Jones, I believe it's going to happen because it's the biggest payday. And look, John Jones looks good right now in the gym as a heavyweight. I think he's going to look the part 
of a heavyweight fighter. The problem is John Jones was never a power striker ever in his career. He was a guy that used his amazing speed and length and athleticism and wrestling ability at 205 pounds to really outgun opponents who were usually much shorter, uh, you know, had huge reach disadvantages, and he had some creative striking to go along with it. Uh, he's not going to be able to stand and strike with Francis Ngannou, or he's going to get knocked out, John Jones. But I think, again, John Jones understands that he's sort of at the end of his career. By the way, the greatest career in the history of mixed martial arts. He's never been defeated inside the octagon. John Jones is amazing. And win or lose this fight, which I'm not on the side of John Jones. I don't like his chances in this fight. It is going to be a monster payday. I will tell you this. The reason they haven't booked the Black Beast Derek Lewis for any other fight is he's kind of on standby right now. If this John Jones and plenty of John Jones fights have fallen apart, usually because John Jones gets himself in some sort of trouble, whether it's steroids related, whether it's extracurriculars outside in his personal life, I think it'll be Derek Lewis on standby, and I heard the UFC may actually pay Derek Lewis to go to the arena, weigh in, be ready, all the way up till fight night, just in case something happens with John Jones, Derek Lewis can fill in. All right, great stuff, Matt. Appreciate it as always, my friend, and we will talk to you very, very soon. Have a great night. Talk to you later. Take there care. There it is. Matthew Holt, U.S. Integrity, and our UFC guru as well, too. Uh, great stuff and great thoughts uh, from him on, on all matters. And also, uh, it was announced the other day that UFC 262, which is going to take place in Houston on May 15th, sold out in seven minutes. So they're uh, chomping at the bit there in Houston to... To see some UFC. Well, remember, when they first announced that uh, Texas was going to open wide up, Dana tried to get the last uh, card before this one that was just down in Florida in one of the places in Dallas or Houston because he knew that they were opening up. A friend of mine actually went to the Ranger game against the Padres the other day. He posted it on social media and said that he was down there. Him and his uh, boss actually bought four tickets because he said, well, there's it's a sold-out arena, so you know we wanted a little bit of distancing between ourselves. So. You know, I must be nice enough to have enough money to buy extra seats that no one's going to be sitting in. But, um, but it's like there's still people all around you in front and back. It's, a, yeah. I don't know if that that's that much safer or not. Yeah. But yeah, te- Texas is wide open, and Dana said that he wanted to do a big event down yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Rangers had thirty-eight thousand, and the Astros limited their capacity a little bit, but they they had like twenty-two thousand for their opener um, on Friday, so or Thursday. So, uh, and I'm looking forward to now getting a chance to to go back there and see some baseball myself because you know how much I love watching baseball. You just want to uh, go grab some grub with Dusty. Yeah, I, that's true. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, food and baseball. It's That's one and one, a coupled entry right there. It doesn't matter which one is which, but they go hand in hand. And yes, I was looking at the food options at Minute Maid Park because I've never been there before. So looks pretty good. You know? Yes. So looking forward to that. All right. I want to thank Matt Holt for joining us. TJ Reeves, Steve Sachs. Those interviews will be up on the website, so check it all out. We'll get that up for you a little bit later on. TCMartinShow.com and our thoughts and our power ratings of Major League Baseball, the top five teams are up there on the website as well, too. And RVD will join us tomorrow. So He'll probably to- have his Hall of Fame ring on, and Numchuk and I are looking forward to you buying us those World Series rings. Yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> what the heck? Appreciate that. We're no Dodger fans.